What is going on, everybody? What is going on? It's your host, David, and I'm back with another episode of the Top Bunk Sports Podcast. And man, it feels good to be back. Just a little explanation on why I didn't put an episode last week. I was just trying to take, you know, a week off, just trying to recalibrate, trying to enjoy some of the games that I missed, um, enjoying a lot of WBC uh, that week. And, you know, it was fun. Um, You know, and I gave you guys two long episodes with spaces on them, so you guys kind of get a depth of... Uh, my spaces and my um, not even my spaces. I get I put my space, the only one that I've done so far officially, and then you know I take some of my best takes on on other spaces that I've been on. Um, you're gonna actually hear that in this episode too. I got two main episodes, um, two main spaces. I apologize for that. Uh, that you're gonna hear me talk about. Um, I'm not gonna go into detail about what they are. I'd rather hear you know let you guys hear it and figure out the topic of it you you'll figure it out right away obviously um but you know that that's kind of why i was out for that week uh which is last week and i'm back now uh so you guys are getting a fresh new episode a lot of topics to get to um and i want to start off first with uh the sunday recap so the recap of uh sunday a lot of stuff went down sunday basically you're gonna hear the recap from sunday monday tuesday wednesday because this episode is recorded on thursday thursday march 23rd uh, the episode is coming out tomorrow, Friday, March 24th. Obviously, my episodes come out every uh, Friday unless there's a special episode that needs to come out on a different day. Then you guys will see it called a special episode and then what the episode is about. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's you know, just to clear that. Uh, the first thing that I want to get to is the Knicks' huge win against the Denver Nuggets, 116 to 110. And, man, when I tell you it's a huge win, it's a very huge win, and I'm going to tell you why. A lot of Knicks fans did not have his winning. Let's 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 just keep it honest. Let's keep it real. A lot of Knicks fans did not have his winning. Because of the fact that when we faced the Nuggets the first time, I think it was in November fifteen or sixteen, something like that, we basically beat them without a healthy Jokic. Jokic was out. So basically the narrative of all oh, the the only reason the Knicks uh beat the Nuggets was because Jokic was hurt and da 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 da. Whatever, bro. Whatever. So now this one was pretty much more important because of the fact that everybody's healthy. I mean, you know, Jokic was out on the first one. Now he's back for the second one. So basically, now you have everybody healthy. There's no excuses on, on who who should win this game. And the Knicks took, took that out. I mean, it's Jalen Brunson's stats right then and there. It's, you know, 24 points, 5 assists. Two rebounds, uh, nine for nine for twenty from the field, two two for two for five on three point, um, and that was his first game back. I think he missed about three to four games, uh, with the sore foot, and it was bad. I mean, we were all talking about him, you know, getting rest, and that's what was needed for Jalen Brunson. I mean, it's needed for Julius Randle, but they're not gonna rest him right now because the man won't sit down. The man wants to play every game. Uh, you could tell certain games as he's tired. I mean, you watched that Heat game uh, yesterday. Men's was tired. Men's was fucking tired. And I'm not, no, he wasn't tired yesterday. I'm, I'll take that back. He wasn't tired yesterday. A lot of people, and I kind of see how this is going. Uh, a lot of people think that Julius Randle's getting back to his old ways that he was last season. And it's because he hasn't got any rest. I sort of agree with that. I, I sort of agree with that. I think, you know, you give this man some rest. You make sure that he's good for the playoffs, and that's also important 
for the Knicks as far as them not making the the play-in because once the season is over, our last game was against Indiana, right, at home. Once our that game is over and we're, the season is done and we head into the playoffs, we go straight, you know, they go straight into the play-in. They got to play right away. The Knicks don't cash in on the play-in and they actually make the playoffs and capture a fifth seed. They're off for like five, six days. Like they don't have to play until like the 14th or 15th of April. So that's key. That's 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 big. And it allows these guys to get rest. Like like that's that's the important thing, you know. That's 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 what we want. So, you know, you get them fresh into the playoffs and and they're good to go. So, you know, that's basically what I'm hoping that happens. I mean, look, Tibbs I wouldn't be shocked if Tibbs doesn't rest these guys for the next couple games, obviously cuz the importance of the seeding. Uh but I also, it would make sense to him for him to at least bench, you know, to bench one of these guys, one of these games, man. Just to, like I said, let them get their rest, man, and 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 recoup and just be fresh. That's what we need. We need this fucking team to be fresh, bro. So, you know, they, it's it's important. But it was a huge win, a very a very impressive win. And you know, when they get these big wins, man, you you it. it it gets you hyped for the playoffs, and that's that's all that is needed, man. That's that's really all that is needed, and I, I like that. Um, so it's it, w- it was a big fucking win, uh, and and it's it was like I said, it was all that was needed. Um, but going into to the next topic, I want to uh, uh, recap on on the WBC. First first and foremost, what a fucking tournament! I mean, I, I'm very happy. Uh, to see it come back. I mean, it's coming back in 2026, 2027, and it was so enjoyable, man. Every game had fucking energy, had fucking, like, enthusiasm. Uh, Every fucking player was, was... was on their feet, was hype, like they they were engaged, man. That that's 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 the best part about it, man. They they were engaged every time they scored, every time they had a home run. The, the, now one single person was in that fucking dugout besides maybe the coaches. Like every single player came out uh, walking to the, to to home plate, dapping up the player that made the big hit, you know, that scored the run or made the big hit. You know, it, that's that's what it's all about, man. The, the the fans that are coming out here from from these countries that 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 support you know the the energy of of the crowd that that, that was amazing to me I'm I'm glad I was able to see it happen um you know let's let's I'll run down some of the teams Venezuela first of all surprised a lot of us I mean boy. You you talk about a stacked lineup. You got Anthony Santander, Luis Reyes. You got uh, Eduardo Escobar, uh, Jose Altuve. Um, you know it goes on and on. Oh Acuna, like that team surprised everybody. I'm and look, they came out their first game against us. Uh, you know, and I say us in the Dominican Republic, and you know DR scored first. It was a Juan Soto double, um, and. Right then and there, it was over. You know what I'm saying? It, it <laughs> that was the only thing that the Dominican Republic could come out with because it it went from a Santander two run home. It went from a a Santander homer, and from there on, it was it was done. It was it was it was done. It was just you know they they came in there. They knew they were the underdogs because you know everybody thought that the, the DR as stacked as they are would have came out and really took this whole thing. I, I'm confident in my team. 
You know, I even love the hate. There are people out here that are not even Dominican that hate the DR just because of of them getting so much respect. It just happens. You're you're that damn good that you need to get hated on. So, you know, it it, it is what it is. But they came, they put their foot on the mark, and they beat us. I think it was a five to two or a five to one uh, loss. Then to make it even more funnier, they went and did the same shit to Puerto Rico. But like the second inning, Puerto Rico was down like seven one or seven nothing, and by the time the game was over, I think Puerto Rico only scored six runs, and Venezuela scored either ten or nine runs. Right then and there, you're just like shit. You know what I'm saying? Because if it's not DR, it's Puerto Rico, and Puerto Rico has a really good team too. They put they really put a stomping on Puerto Rico in the beginning. You know, Puerto Rico was able to get some momentum and kind of come back, but it wasn't enough. And Venezuela was able to go two and zero there. Um, you know, they they really surprised everybody. Uh, they really really fucking, you know, just everybody was counting on them to to win. Um, at one point when they did go in and they did really play USA. They they showed USA out. Now a lot of people are saying that the, the the USA didn't have any pitching. That's understandable. The US, you know, it's all about their offense. They really didn't have legit pitching. I mean, fucking, I think Joey uh, Joey Manessis took uh, uh, Adam Wainwright deep. So that that tells you something. Um, so you know, I <laughs> boy, they they took they surprised a lot of people. And it, it's it, it was very interesting to see, man. It was very interesting to see. Uh, then you fast forward to the game of I would say the tournament, and that was DR versus PR. And again, not our night. I mean, you know, the the DR took care of the two teams that they needed to take care of, easy wins, and that was against Nicaragua and Israel. And then you go on to this game against PR, and you're like, all right, business is business. The offense was nowhere to be found. It took a fucking Juan Soto home run to get them back in this damn game. It was nowhere to be found. Let's be let's be real. I mean, Julio Rodriguez was quiet. Uh, fucking Xander Bogarts was quiet. Uh, you know, a lot of the big guys that in in that lineup that you would expect to do damage didn't do damage. You know, it took a many it took many Machado to really do something. It, it took Juan Soto to really do something, and that's the sad part, man. It's 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 not it's it's really it's that you know I I think PR was beatable we we have a better team than PR it's just it's just facts it's just facts we just didn't execute you know we couldn't we couldn't get the hits when we needed them and that was a that was a sad case but the the, the overall thing about that that game is the energy man I think that 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 was the most anticipated excuse me anticipated game in so long. When it came to this tournament, I think everybody was talking about, yo, we can't wait for Wednesday. We can't wait for Wednesday. You know, shout out to my man, uh, Keith, and shout out to his brother, Key. We hosted a, a live watch space while the game was going on, and uh, it was funny to see. Uh, it was funny to see uh, Keith go off, man. He was uh, talking shit. He was like, vamos, ponieta. Like, just going off, man. I, I respect it. I respect it. I mean, when Juan Soto hit that home run to center field, I was talking shit. I was like, let's fucking go, yo. Let's wake up. Let's fucking go. Obviously, that was the only fucking celebration I could do the entire game. But, you know, Keith was doing a lot of celebrating. Um, you know, so I always tell him when the credit needs to be given, I give them that credit. 
and the and they got that credit way well deserved in that game um and you know then you have Edwin Diaz come out close the game when he closes it uh, the unfortunate not only for us as uh as Met fans but unfortunate for you know Puerto Ricans who who look up to Edwin Diaz who would you know who love the guy when he comes out with the trumpet themes when they watch him play with the Mets a guy that came in there they 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 were excited to see him come in you know he closes out the game he gets a fucking uh, a a marvelous victory um he looks sharp as ever everybody was saying that you know we didn't know how he was going to look my man went in there 1 2 3 looked sharp gets the final out and you know they start they start jumping through and they started jumping in celebrating like they won a playoff series or won a world series and i guess he landed on i landed on his leg uh an awkward way or somebody you know landed on him but all we know is that it went from celebrating to guys circling the mound standing straight and i picked up on it right away i was like what the fuck is going on they were just jumping up in joy and now everybody's circling around the mound looking so serious and like they're not jumping so they're there and you know they open up a little bit and the camera kind of you can see edwin diaz is on the ground he's holding his leg now i'm thinking oh he probably you know twisted his ankle or whatever that nah my man's had to be carried to a point where he didn't want them to carry him. He he wanted them to he wanted them to put him down and he tried tried to lift it. He couldn't lift it. Um they had to put him on a wheelchair. That that's the funniest shit to me. Um not not the injury and not the fact that he has to be put on a on a you know on a wheelchair. I just find it very funny and, and, and I'm very dumbfounded on the fact that they didn't have a stretcher. I think a stretcher would have been more more useful. Uh but then again, you know, I think they try to find something that was, you know, right then and there. Uh, so they f- put him on a wheelchair. His leg, I believe it was right leg. Um, so it was the one he plants with when he throws. Uh, it was extended out. And at that very moment, it didn't matter about the rivalry between DR and PR, uh, the fans and how excited they were. Um, it mattered about Edwin Diaz. Okay. If you're looking at it from a Puerto Rican standpoint, uh, you know, you just lost your own um, to a horrific injury. Y- you lost a guy that could have been beneficial for the next game. And then if you look at it from the Mets point of view, you just lost your your closer, one of your best players ever. Um and a guy who, again, when it comes to situational uh, games, and it's the ninth inning and the Mets have a lead, you want to bring him in. You want him in that situation. Um, and we won't have that for the entire season. Uh, he's going to be out for the whole season. Uh, he's gonna ha- he j- he already had surgery, so he's basically recuperating from that injury. Um, and it's again, it's a sad case. I I just know that when we saw that and we got the news that he was done. He was out for the whole season. My heart sunk because with Edwin Diaz, it's a backstory. You know what I'm saying? With Edwin Diaz, that backstory comes from when he was traded back in 2019 with Robinson Cano from the Seattle Mariners to the Mets. 
right when he came in here, he was struggling. Like he 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 was struggling hard, giving up a lot of home runs, and at it got to a point where I remember one game. I forgot where we were at in the season, but he had given up a home run to JT Realmuto that put the Phillies. I think we won that game. We came back and won it, but he had put he had given up a home run to JT Realmuto and gave the Phillies the lead, or they tied it. And it was a no doubter, like 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 Real Muto got it, and it wasn't something where it was like, oh, he he he's running thinking it may or may not go out. No, no, he it was a no doubter. So he gives up the home run, and I remember I'm sitting there watching the game with my family and my uncle, me and my uncle at the same time. And we were like, oh my god, not again! Here we go, right? So he had a lot of those moments. He was struggling bad. I mean, he was part of the reasons why that year the Mets gave up a ten to four fucking lead. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, to the Washington Nationals in the ninth inning. The Nationals literally came back and won that game entirely based off, you know, Edwin Diaz, uh, you know, just selling the game out. So he had those moments. But from 2021 to 2022 to now, he revamped himself. And it was something to see. It was something very beautiful to see. You know, because now he got not only the crowd into it, but everybody's engaged with him now. Everybody's confident to say, yo, Edwin Diaz is my fucking closer. So, you know, you have that. And then he goes on to 2022, like I said, and he just has the the best year as a Met when it comes to ha- to being a closer. My man was on fire, couldn't be touched. Um, You know, came in there, you knew he, this game was over. Every time he came in, you knew this game was over. and 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 it was... It's just sad now because, you know, we 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 trying to we trying to revamp what happened last season with us, you know, losing the division and then losing in the wild card to the fucking Padres. We're we're trying to revamp that this year, and he was a key part of that. So to not have him, it it was it was very it's it's gonna be very fucking uh, sad. It's gonna be embarrassing, and not because of him. It's just you know. Uh, I, you're always gonna get hit with some dumb shit talking about oh, you don't have your closer now, so you're done. So you know I, it's gonna be annoying. Uh, but you know personally, from a diehard Met fan to a per, to a per, to Edwin Diaz, who has made me a believer in him, uh, who has made me very confident to walk around and say that he is my closer. I just want to wish you nothing but a speed, uh, nothing but prayers. And blessings um, and a speedy recovery, my brother. Uh, te quiero mucho um, as a Matt fan. Uh, y ya tú sabes que Dios está contigo and that you'll be here soon. Um, hopefully, hopefully you're with us when we make the playoffs. And, you know, hopefully that you're, you're here riding with us, man, because uh, we, we're always, we got you. We got you. Um, just hope that your recovery goes well, and I can't. We and I can't, and I. I hope I speak for behalf of all Mets fans when we when I say we can't wait to see you back on this field with the trumpets playing in the background. Um, so, you know, I got that. But I. But you know, with that, you know, on the WBC, I wanted to just give my opinion on the criticism that the WBC has been receiving since that injury happened. Now, before I get into it a little bit, I just want to go into the Japan and USA game. Uh, very, very uh, well game, in my opinion. Um, offense was a little bit slow, but 
it was a really good pitching night for both teams. Um, it was it was it was very funny to see uh, how Japan was able to really like stick to stick against the U.S. Um, you know, a lot of people didn't think so. A lot of people that I that I noticed, a lot of people were assuming that they that the U.S. Were, they were gonna dominate Japan. That they were gonna dominate Japan and you know blow this thing open. They did not. You know, Japan stuck with them. Trey Turner beasting his last his, his last two three games at WBC. He was hitting home runs. Then all this. Then all of a sudden he hits a home run in the championship game to give them a one nothing lead. And you know, correct correct me if I'm wrong. I don't want to say his name at all because I don't want to get it wrong. But the guy that won the game for Japan against uh against against Mexico to to bring them to the championship game basically hit a fucking bomb and <laughs> tied the game and then Japan hit uh brought in uh two more guys who made them a three a three one game. Uh then it took to the almost the end of the game. Um where you had the matchup between you Darvish and, you know, uh Kyle Schwarber and that matchup, we all know how that was, that how that ended up uh, last time they faced each other. It took Schwarber in the World Series to fucking take uh, Darvish deep. Like, I'm talking about that you couldn't even see where the ball landed. Um, and that's exactly what happened in, in, in that in that matchup right there. Uh, Schwarber literally just took him deep and walked that shit off and just said, yeah, you you suck against me, bro. So that was basically they they brought the game in within one, so it was three two Japan, but that's all she wrote. You know, fast forward to Otani closing it out, and he closed it out by striking out Mike Trout, his teammate in in the Angels. Very 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 important uh important win for Japan. A very very dope matchup to see between his him and his teammate, uh, two two greats in this league between uh, Otani and Mike Trout. It was dope to see, like I said. And you know, you Japan again showed why they're a fucking very good team every time they come into the WBC. And that you know, it's like I said, it's dope to see. So congratulations to to Japan on winning it. But what I wanted to talk about right after I was talking about the DS thing was the criticism that the WC WBC has been receiving since the Edwin Diaz injury. And this is my thing on it. For people that are commenting that the WBC shouldn't be around, that these players should not be playing in the WBC, that the WBC is worthless, shut the fuck up, okay? I know I'm supposed to keep it professional. I know I'm supposed to keep it in a in a business matter, but I always put that my episodes are explicit, so you're going to hear some cursing. So this is me giving giving uh, an opinionative uh, take on what I've been hearing as far as the narratives going around for the WBC. And I'm going to say it again. Shut the fuck up. Why? Because these people that are giving narratives about the WBC never played in the fucking tournament. Never laced up and got on the field to represent their country. Right? They don't know how that feels like. They don't know what what goes into that. They don't know the the stories behind it. They don't understand what they're doing to make every to make a possibility for their country. I'll give you an example. A twenty one a twenty one year old kid who pitched 
for Nicaragua against the Dominican Republic struck out all three major league fucking A-plus talented hitters and received a contract from the Detroit Tigers right after that game. They literally were looking at this kid and waited till he got out from the stadium and changed his life right there in that moment. Moments like that is why the WBC is also made. Is why why it's also played. Because there are people coming from these countries that are like, yo, we actually get to play against major league talent. You know what I'm saying? We can't come we can't come over here to just see if we could get signed or picked up or anything like that. But this is our one moment to 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 play in the US or in a Japan or whatever and see if we can if somebody notices us while we're doing this and maybe give us a shot. That's why. Right? You take that into consideration. You also take into consideration that a lot of these big name players that are getting paid a three hundred and fifty million dollar contract like a Manny Machado, they want to represent their country. I understand people saying, listen, you got it, you know, you should understand as a as an adult and as a human being, yo, my owner's investing. But at the same time, this only happens every four years. You don't get the opportunity to represent your country in the game that you love. And that's why when this narrative goes around that oh the WBC is a is a is a piece of crap that it shouldn't be held that it's worthless it's this and it's that it's like motherfucker you don't understand the stories behind it you don't understand the passion behind it you don't understand what they get to do when they get this opportunity that is what they don't understand so they make these comments and again these comments in my what's funny is I didn't hear none of these comments or I didn't see none of these comments on Twitter till Edwin Diaz got hurt. I find it very fucking funny how these comments come out after Edwin Diaz gets hurt. It's like they want to say that comment about oh these guys could possibly get hurt but they don't say it until it actually happens. Then they want to puff out their chest and they want to be like, "Well, you see, this is what I've been saying. He fucking got hurt and he should have never been playing cuz he just got paid and we needed him." At the end of the day, it fucking happens. For example, Right when I was about to record this fucking episode that we're recording right now, Reese Hoskins just got fucking carted off because he went in to ground uh, to to field a ground ball at first base and he landed and he landed wrong. He had to get carted off. Now we don't know the severity of that injury. He could possibly be done for the whole fucking season. And think about that. He was in spring training where everybody's at. So just because Edwin Diaz's injury happened to the WBC doesn't mean that it can't happen anywhere else. It could happen anywhere. It's just part of the game and it's part of natural life. That's 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 what it is. But these people, I don't, bro, it's just so frustrating because for somebody that grew up with the game of baseball, I grew up on the game of baseball before any other sport that I covered. It's uh, me. I always put baseball first as a priority. I always put baseball up there. So. For people to 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 not give credit for what the WBC has been able to do and for the amount of moments that it captures, for the amount of opportunity that it gives, and they just want to trash it because, oh, this guy might get hurt or that guy that, that guy might get hurt or whatever, and it's worthless. It shouldn't be it shouldn't be played. Why don't you go take a trip to fucking Nicaragua? Why don't you go take a trip to Venezuela? Or why don't you go take a trip to fucking Dominican Republic or or Puerto Rico for that matter? And go check out these kids that want to see their favorite player represent their country to go fucking play. Or or wanna be like one of these guys that's like, yo, one day if I can make it out of Puerto Rico or if I can make it out of Dominican Republic and actually go play major league baseball, 
I want to be in that same position. I want to be in that same spot. There are guys out here that are talented, but are not really getting looked at like that. So when they play in the winter ball Dominican League and they win and, and they get a possibility and they get a chance to pitch for their country in the WBC, they're going to take it. They're going to fucking take it. Same thing with these with these major leaguers now that are getting paid good money. They're going to take that opportunity to play these two weeks of baseball, of quote-unquote meaningless baseball, because it's not every day that you get to represent your country like that. You don't. Because when you go back to the majors, you're not representing your country like that. You're representing an organization that is paying you and the fan base of that organization. It's It's just that simple. But people don't get that because they look at a freak accident that happened on the field where it wasn't even an accident that happened on a play. It was an accident that happened about them celebrating one of the biggest games in the fucking tournament. It happens all the time. I can get up right now, walk and pull something and I can and and this, this shit could be done. It just happens. Like that's what I don't that's what I don't understand. And these and again I'm twenty one years old. I'm expecting these older guys like a Sal fucking Lakata to understand that. Now I get his point. Shout out to him because he was actually he was on the on the WFAN yesterday and shout out to my guy Hector uh in Washington Heights that kind of confronted him about the situation. And basically told him, like, dude, you know, like you don't understand what this means for these guys to put that jersey on that represents their country and it and again they they don't get to do this every year they get to do this every four years you know and i understood sal's point where it's like yo if i'm getting paid this amount of money and there's a there's a huge risk of me getting hurt i'm 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 not gonna risk that but at the same time a lot of these guys are doing it anyways you know what I'm saying? And you don't get to represent your country like that. That's the main thing. You don't you don't get that opportunity. So you got to understand where these guys are coming from. And I don't think a lot of these guys are, are understanding that. I mean, a lot of a lot of his callers, too, after after my guy Hector got off, they were like, oh, fuck that shit, whatever. And they wanted to talk about the Jets. And it's just like, man, fuck you. Fuck you, bro. Fuck you. Because you don't understand what the fuck these players, what these players do to, to, to put on that uniform, dude. They when you see the the reaction that these guys are having when they win those type of games, man, it's different. They're not allowed to do stuff like that with the MLB. When when a certain pitcher from from Venezuela strikes out a big name guy and he's out there, you know, ripping his jersey and 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 throwing his glove up in the air and actually you know talking smack, they're not allowed to do that in the MLB. Why? Because they're gonna get a fucking warning or they're gonna get thrown out the game. Over here, they're not going to do that. Over here, it's raw. It's uncut. Like, everything is, is, is fucking great. So, I just think people need to open up their fucking minds for once and, and, and really give it a thought process about this shit. Because, you know, I, I would like for somebody for, for somebody to go out there and really see what, what difference it makes in these countries, man. Yeah, I really do. I really do. And if you're going to talk about if you're going to talk about a, a certain player not being able not should not be able to play because uh, of, 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 you know, risking injury or, or because of a contract status, then talk about it with the other teams, too, because USA got a lot of fucking guys that are that are on contract right now that are playing and they're playing for the U.S. Why? Because they're American and they want to fucking represent America the right way and bring a title home. So 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 come on now. Let's 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 give it some appreciation and stop fucking hating for once, bro. Because one of our players that we love got hurt because of a freak accident. 
Like, come on. And not like I said before, nobody was puffing their chest out in the beginning of this damn tournament about the injuries. And now all of a sudden, uh, Edwin Diaz goes down, and it's like, you see, we should. I told you guys about this shit. We should have never had this fucking tournament to begin with. Fuck out of here. Because nobody was saying that shit until it actually happened. But, you know, I'm going to move away from that. I'm, t- I'm, I'm tired of speaking on it, man. If, if my guys on Twitter that follow me, that have heard me speak about it on multiple spaces, man, I'm sure you guys are tired of, he- of me hearing it as well. Um, I'm, I'm tired of talking about it. Is It is what it is. There's nothing you can do. You can't, re- you know, revert back in time and fucking fix this shit. Uh, you know, we're now we're just focusing on spring training ending and, and getting straight into the, the season. Um, but I want to get into another uh, a different topic. We'll get into... John Jones in the UFC. Um, first and foremost, a very, very quick and amazing performance by John Jones. Uh, got him in, got him in the chokehold, and really just ended him right then and there. Uh, didn't really take him that long. Um, obviously, people were concerned about the foot injury that he had. I think he's had that for a while. I think he said that. Excuse me. I think he said that, and. You know, he just goes up in there. They put he put his he's put it he put his uh, uh foot on the outside ledge of the cage. They look at it, it, it. It's taped. I guess he was trying to tell them like, hey, listen, I you know I've had a situation with the foot, but it's no problem. I can still fight. So they let him fight. I would too at this point. It's like motherfucker, you you had this shit for so long. You could have said something. Didn't really say anything. Um, and now that they take a look at it. It's a shocker to them, so just let him fight at this point. Unless if it's officially broken, that's different. If it's broken, <laughs> nah, you good, bro. But um, like I said, a massive, masterful performance, and then he called out Stepe Miocic, and that's a matchup. Like I, uh, Stepe is gonna have a problem. Stepe is gonna have a problem simply because of the fact that Stepe is not as quick as John is. Um, he's John is is more versatile than he is, so I, I think. I think uh, Stipe is going to have an issue with that. I think Stipe, um, again, he's a legend. I just don't think he's faced anyone like a John Jones, and I think John Jones is going to give him problems. I think Jones is winning. Um, not counting now Stipe 100%. Stipe, Stipe is very, very slick, and Stipe can catch you. But I think uh, John Jones is going to come out and beat him. John Jones is confident. John Jones is already talking smack. Uh, so that's a matchup that I want to see. Um and you know I'm I'm prepared for it, but you know another matchup that I that I wasn't prepared for it to go the way it did was uh, Leon Edwards and Kamaru Usman. Matchup was I didn't expect it to go the way it did. It was very flat. Uh, not not a lot of not a lot of engaging by those two um, guys. Were it, it, to me it, it seemed like they were just trying to protect themselves because of the last fight. Uh, Kamaru Usman was definitely on that very uh, on that edge. You could kind of see it. Uh, he didn't want to get caught again, like the second fight. And I think Leon was on the same thing too. I think Leon was trying to protect himself and not get rocked because you you know when Kamaru Usman rocks you, it's you know you're done. So I think they were both on that on that pace, and it just didn't turn out like the back and forth action I thought it would. Um, there's I I thought Kamaru Kamaru did an, enough to win. Uh, I didn't, for some reason, uh, in my opinion, I didn't score it the way the judges did. I thought Kamara had the edge, but, uh, you know, they thought Edwards had the win. At the end of the day, you know, very class, class uh, answer by Kamara Usman. Gave him the victory, gave him nothing but praises, and, under you know, basically said, I'll be back. You know, I just want to spend some time with my daughter. 
and uh, I'll be back. So, you know, he wasn't, you know, he said he felt he won the fight, but he wasn't complaining. He gave a shout-out to London, who kind of, you know, was boring him the whole time. Uh, you know, but, you know, listen, it, it is what it is. Shout-out to Edwards, man, for defeating him twice. Uh, he definitely uh, put that, put that you know, belt on the line and really defended it like he should have and, you know, came out with a big victory. And now I'm just hoping that he fucking fights uh, Jorge Masvidal. I know that the fight between him, you know, that backstage fight between him uh, him and Leon, and, uh, you know, they were kind of having a scuffle because Leon kind of interrupted his interview or whatever, and he kind of sucker punched him. So they really haven't had a fight since that. But I think it's obviously it's going to come back up. I think Jorge would fucking take that. Um, and we would. that's a fight that I've been waiting for so long that I've always wondered, like, why hasn't it fucking happened? Like, normally you see something like that and it would automatically happen right away. The fucking Connor thing. I think the the, the, Connor, the Connor fight happened right away. Connor fucking went and destroyed that tour bus. Then all of a sudden now it's Connor versus fucking Khabib. <laughs> so I, I, it's very shocking that they took a lot of time for for the Jorge Masvidal and Edwards. But I, I, I want to see that. I can't wait. Um, I, I definitely, definitely, definitely... Uh, that's on my bucket list. I think that's something that everybody would want to fucking see, because the fact that again, the, the history that these two have, the history that these guys have, as far as what happened backstage, they really always go back and forth on social media. They've been always talking shit, and you know, it's uh, it's it's very interesting. It's it's gonna be very interesting to see if that fight is now you know gonna be made. Uh, I know Masvidal has a fight coming up. So we'll see how that uh we'll see how that goes. But my next topic, Damian Lillard. Now the reason that I wanted to talk about Damian Lillard is because now we're kinda seeing him, you know, come out of the shell of him not wanting to deal with the bullshit that you know he's going through in Portland. I mean, I think we've all been under that that moment that situation. Where we've kind of noticed, like, yo, Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard needs to leave. Like, that's just facts, and it's it's true, it's true. I mean, you know, it, he also did say on on uh, JJ Reddick's podcast, you know, that he didn't love the game anymore, and that was very you know, surprising, man. That was this very, very, very surprising. Um. I don't know, man. It just it just took me by surprise because of the fact that you know this is a guy that that is he he's always said he's always said it you know he's 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 always um he's always said that he loves the game he's always you know said nothing but great things about the game and then you hear him go on JJ Reddick's podcast and it's bam <laughs> so it's it's like okay that's that's very weird um but I want to play obviously I want to play a clip. I'll play two clips. I want to play the clip of when he said that he believes the NBA is changing for the worse. Because that, that again, that's one, that's one of the clips, like I said, that was very shocking. You know what I'm saying? You could tell how, how much he meant it. And then I want to play the clip about um, him not being interested in rebuilding and why I said that, you know, this is the first time he kind of spoke out about us, about him not wanting to, you know, be part of that, 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 that part of it. So that part of, of what Joe Blues is trying to do. So here's the first clip, and then I'm going to play you guys the second clip. Um, the word I was looking for is entitlement. Like, I, when I came in the league, 
you had to earn not just what you get from the team or like the respect you had to like you had to earn your space on the team you know it was no oh you the sixth pick of the draft it's your team like it, what is this your team stuff you know what i'm saying like and i think now the biggest difference is you don't have that veteran presence so you got players who are more talented than ever coming into the league they're getting picked you know one two three four five they're making more money than those picks ever made so not only that now you're giving them the keys to the franchise there you know there's nobody there to to really let them know like you super talented but like you got to earn stuff around here you know what i mean you got to earn your way so they come in and everything is just given to them from the beginning so that that affects how they are the way they play like they play for themselves. They play for stats. They, you know, think that they're LeBron James when they make an all-star game or, you know what I'm saying? They get a max contract. It's just different. I don't know. I don't know how to completely put it together, but the NBA I play in now is not the NBA that I came into. And I expect it to evolve. Everything is, is constantly changing, but like, I feel like I play for the love of the game. Like I want to, I want the competition. I want to know what it feels like to win. I want to see my teammates do well. I want to see my teammates get paid. You know, like I enjoy the, uh, the bonding part of it. Like we spend more time with each other than anybody, but now it's like that don't count. Regular season don't count. Get a ring. You know what I'm saying? Like who? This guy's the MVP. This guy did this. He the first. It's like, bro, what like, what is this stuff? Like, what is this? You know what I'm saying? Like, I and I don't want this ain't even I don't want to make it about my situation. But I was talking after a game like a week ago and I was just like, they was asking me about Dame, but like to win a ring. And, and I'm like, bro, I don't need to prove to y'all that I want to win a ring. Why the hell do I play? Like, I don't need to prove that to y'all. But. We cannot keep acting like, while I understand we play to win championships, we all want to win the championship. We can't keep acting like nothing matters, like the rest of the stuff, the journey doesn't matter. We can't keep doing that. You know what I'm saying? So I feel like there are so many ways that the league is different. There are so many ways. And I, I think about it all the time where I'm like, man, I just don't, I don't know if, I don't know if I'm, if I can just, play a long, long time because I don't, I don't enjoy what, what the NBA as a whole is becoming. All right. I think you make some great points yeah. and there's a couple things that I sort of want to unpack there. Yeah. So you're, you're talking about two things here. Yeah. It's the culture within the NBA. And then there's the culture around the NBA and the discourse around the NBA. I actually want to go back in a second <laughs> to the culture within the NBA yeah. and, and, and your guy, Nate, who I, we talked about recently on the yeah. podcast. I think his commentary on this on Twitter has been spot on, but since you brought it up, I, I you've been asked a million times about not leaving, but I, yeah. I wanted to make an observation. And this is what I think gets lost a little bit in this discourse around ring culture yeah. and around uh, players' careers and the decisions they make within their careers. Yeah. To me, it's what you want, what I want out of my career versus what other people want for you. Right. And regardless of what you decide to do, by the way, 
you're going to be criti- criticized for yeah. it. I can give you multiple sure. examples off the top of my head for sure. where someone couldn't win a ring and they go team up with a superstar, another superstar, and when they win it, it gets discredited. To, I stopped it just for a couple seconds. Kevin Durant is the first person that I, that came into mind when he just when he just said that. Kevin Durant is the first person that comes into mind when he says that. Why? Because uh, first of all, I was I was one of the only people that was defending him when he made that move to Golden State. Why? Because it's called free agency, motherfucker. You don't owe loyalty to nobody. You know what I'm saying? Unless unless you're you're loyal to those players that you feel you need to be loyal to. But at the end of the day, I'm I'm a free agent, bro. And if my team is not playing what I paying me what I feel I deserve after everything I fucking did for your fucking organization since I've been drafted, and this team not only has this team fucking already did what they did the past two years, right? G- winning a title and then going back to the finals, and even though they lost thirty one, they still went back to the finals, right? If they're looking for me and they want me. And they're giving me a good contract and paying me what I think I deserve and they're treating me well, I'm gonna fucking take it. Who's gonna who's gonna say no to that? Like who's gonna say no to that? But that's just how the thing that that's just how the league is. I mean, you wanna talk about KD getting traded to the Suns now? That could that's that's relevant because he requested to go there and Brooklyn got him there. You know what I'm saying? So so it's the same thing, but there's there's truth to what JJ just said on that. But back to the clip. So the discourse, or around they go this, and don't win it, yeah, and, and now they look crazy. Yeah. <laughs> that, that also, so, yeah. and now they talk you've worse. Had, you've had some quotes about that as well, and I always look. I think every time you've ever been asked about this, your your thoughts around it are very insightful. Um, they're very thoughtful, and I've always respected them. Mm-hmm. And the the part about the journey is so huge. The thing for me has always been, and Jason and I talked about this yesterday. The thing for me has always been how poised and how calm and how seemingly unbothered you are by all the noise. How do you maintain a level of sanity with, within this discourse? Because I have a real life. Like, I think that's the best way to put it. Like I don't live my life as Damian Lillard. Like I go home, I play with my kids. (laughs) Like I play with my kids I go to my mom's house. I hang out with my cousins. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I have a life. I have, I talk to my grandmother on the phone and, you know, my uncle calls me and we talk on the phone all night about just regular stuff. You know what I'm saying? So like, I have a life that's stable and is not based upon who I am as an NBA player. Like I have real friends, you know, like my best friend, comes to Portland and he works a job where like he can work from home and he'll come stay with me for, you know, he's single and he'll come stay for a few weeks. He'll book a one way and we have a real friendship. So like, I don't sit here and just think about, I need to leave all the time. And I'm not sitting there watching TV and hearing everything they got to say, like, Oh, I need to, I probably should do this. or I probably should do that. I'm like, when my career is over, y'all are not about to be talking about me. Y'all going to be talking about Luka Doncic, Ja Morant, and Jason Tatum, or wh- whoever, when I'm done playing. You know, they'll talk about me when they say, who had the most 40-point games or 50-point games or Portland, whatever. 
But like, why am I going to be sitting here overly concerned with everything that every person has to say about me when they don't, they don't know my life. Like they don't think about me when they get off of that camera, you know, like, and when I'm done playing, they won't think about me. Like they don't think about you. No. You know what I'm saying? No, well, they, well, they, they think about me in other ways, but yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, they don't think about you. They don't think about Michael Jordan. So, so why are they going to be thinking about me? So why would I be concerned with it? <laughs> yeah. So they, 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 there you go. He has a point to it. He has a point on that one. Um, but it's very interesting to hear that. And then a couple of days after that, you hear him say what he said as far as, you know, his interview, uh, his post game interview and about like where what he's not interested in as far as the organization so i'm gonna play that because like like i said it's very interesting that he says this on jj reddick's podcast and then says this on a post game uh interview i think uh yesterday so i'm gonna play that for you so kind of dave in that regard you talk about you know you're in the present like you lost six straight and you got 11 games to go kind of, so what, what what do you kind of find the value in right now or what do you what is driving you I just love to play and you know I'm just not ready to to not play I think that's what it comes down to I don't think anybody in here is crazy you look at what the other teams are doing and they're creating separation we're on the losing streak we you know we've pretty much fallen out of the race for the 10th spot you know unless we go out there and win every game when you really look around and really look at it truthfully so I mean right now I'm just not ready to to not play uh last season I Missed, I think, 52 games or something like that. So I love to play. I love the competition. And, you know, I just haven't been ready to give that up. But it does come a, a point in time where you look around and you like, you know, when do you stop uh, putting your, your competitive nature out front and look at, you know, what what a game of chess would look like at that point. You know, you... Um, you got to make your decision based based on that. So, I mean, we'll see. Dame, one of the things you sat down with, with JJ Redick, and you said your your inability to kind of find things in the moment in your your own personal career, the the milestones and stuff like that. How do you kind of juxtapose that with like the, the micro stuff of like of this of watching younger guys develop? What is it about? the immediacy of some things and not the immediacy of your own kind of legacy that you just kind of, you look at things differently. I think for me, I just, in my life, not just as a teammate or as a basketball player, I enjoy other people's success. And I think that's just because I come from a big family. I grew up with a lot of cousins, all my close friends. I call them my cousins now because they've been around so long and I, my life has been about being a part of a team. So I've always, it comes easy for me to root for other people. And I found joy in other people's success because of the, the type of environment I grew up in. So I'm always root for guys to to have success and to do well, even apart from what I might want for myself personally. You know, I would never let that get in the way of my, my genuine feelings towards what's happening for other people. And, you know, I can be happy for people and, you know, look at what's happening and be excited for him and, and be genuine about it. But on the flip side, I you know, I would never ignore myself and how I really feel. You know, I done put 11 hard years into this league and this organization and wanting to win. So, I'm, of course, I'm going to prioritize what what I ultimately want to see happen, you know, have an opportunity to win it. But uh, like I said, that would never get in the way for me 
leading and cheering on and rooting and uh, being there for, you know, a lot of these young guys' success and their moments, and that that won't ever change. Yeah. So, again, you you have that. Um, and I don't know, man. It's <laughs> – whoo. I feel bad for the guy, man. I really, I really do. Um, he's done a lot for the, he's done a lot for the Portland organization. Um, he's done, he's done so much for the city. He's given back to the city. He's given them a lot of great moments and, you know, they just haven't been respectful to him, dude. They haven't put him, they haven't put the right pieces that they needed to put, you know, to, to, to get, to give him a championship team to win. They haven't. They haven't. It's just the honest truth. And as sad as it is, as 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 sad as 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 people want to look at it, they're not going anywhere this year, in my opinion. And you know, you're Dame is only getting older. Dame is in his prime right now. So when it when and you know when does it? What when is it that Dame is gonna take the accountability and say, y'all, you know, front office, I need to talk to y'all. Like, what are we doing here? Because I'm about this I'm about this fucking moment Of requesting a trade Because I can't deal with this shit no more Like you you guys can't pro- You know I need to be winning now So that's why when his Comments on the JJ Reddick uh, Podcast You know when he says that everybody's now Just you know going in And trying to win a, a ring and that's it You know to hear this it's almost like Dame is saying Like dude I, I need to You know I want to win a ring <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, he didn't care about, he said he didn't care about, you know, winning a ring or, or stuff like that because he's not, you know, they're not going to remember him. But now you're kind of seeing the frustration kind of boil over. And he sees that a lot of teams that were struggling at one point are kind of winning. I mean, like the Knicks and the Kings, you know, he's 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 at the back end of a losing season again. And, yeah, you know, he just wants to, he wants to play for the playoffs, man. He wants to win a title. And, you know, if they can't do it there... You know, everybody's been saying it, man. Damian Lillard got to go. And I know he doesn't like hearing stuff like that, but it's just like, yo, it's the truth, bro. You're one of the best guards in the fucking NBA. You're top 10, bro, in my opinion. And you need a ring. You know what I'm saying? For everything he's done, I've I've, I've had nothing bad to say about Damian Lillard, bro. I've never said Damian Lillard sucks. I think if, the, if he was on that fucking Knicks, I think he'd make his way way better. Um, it's just, man, I, I don't know, man. Uh, it's, it's, it's a sad situation, man. But that's why I wanted to cover it because I wanted to show it some light. I think Dame is is deserving to be on a, on a championship team and not with Portland because Portland is treating him dirty. Uh, so yeah, that, that was my thing on that. Um, I also wanted to touch on uh, the John Morant situation. I'm not really gonna go in too deep to it, uh, just because you know it's over with. He served his uh, his eight game suspension and he's back. He played yesterday. Um, there's my opinion on it is 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 this. It's more of him being something that he's not. Again, he's not, you know, from what we understand, he was raised in a nice community, raised by, you know, well parents. His parents took care of him well, taught him well. Uh, there's a picture of him in, 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 in like, uh, how do I say, in, like, private school clothes or whatever. Uh, so, you know, you have that. And then, you know, you fast forward to him in the league. He's in the strip club now, uh, shirt off. With his gun that he supposedly claimed wasn't his, but yet you're still flashing it on the fucking social media, so it doesn't matter. Um, he got grills in his mouth, and it's just like you know, if that's not you, bro, stop trying to pretend something you're not. And I think the league was very more lenient with him than how they were with Kyrie Irving, 
right? Now, everybody knows my opinion on the whole Kyrie Irving situation with, you know, him posting the document, the anti-Semitic documentary and what I've said about him in the past as far as, like, his decision, his decision making. But the NBA for that, for him just posting a link, put him through hell compared to what John Moran did. And it's very fucking telling. It's even worse that with this situation is not a race thing. It's it's a black it's a black against a black thing when you want to compare the two. Right? And I'm not black. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to say nothing racial that gets me in trouble cuz I, I respect the African American community. I respect all my, you know, all the black people out there that play the game of basketball that I, I got my best friend my best friends are black. <laughs> like I love I I love black people. Like they they are the best. Um but it's just crazy how you know, the, the one situation, you got a guy that's waving a gun out here thinking everything is all good, and he's messing up his, he's messing up every opportunity that he could have. Yet, Kyrie Irving, all he did was post a link. The NBA actually did their fucking research on that link, and they want to, you know, crucify him. And again, I'm not agreeing on the link. I've I've been on record saying that I don't agree with what Kyrie did, but my thing is let's give the same energy Kyrie literally posted a link and basically was like yo take it how y'all want it this man John Morant is literally going on Instagram live taking a pistol and in this different state he's not in Memphis man he's not he's in Denver when that happened you're waving a pistol knowing that that's not right then you want to come out here and say yo it's not my gun it doesn't matter if it's your fuck if it's not your fucking gun like bro like it's, it's it, does, it doesn't matter like, it's still, you're waving something that should not be waved on, on, on a platform, and you know you're not like that. You know, part of part of it just makes me wonder, like, bro, it's just, they, they get to a certain point, and they, want, and they act like, you know, they could do whatever they want. And it's like, bro, this could be taken from you just like that. I've said it on Spaces before, bro. John Moran got to realize that, man. You're still young, man. You still got a lot of money coming your way, man. You're still you, you, you one of these cats that everybody looks up to. And for you to do that dumb shit, it just is it's very dumbfounding. And, and the NBA really didn't put him on a pedestal as far as like an example made out of like they did with Kyrie. It's very it's very telling, and that's why I wanted to speak on it because although I disagreed with what Kyrie did and what he's done in the past, there's no way you could tell me that y'all made Kyrie go through so much bullshit because he posted a link compared to what fucking John Morant did. And I didn't agree with what they did with him doing the interview with Jalen Rose and ESPN. I didn't agree with that. I think it was stupid. I think it's it's a whole it's a publicity stunt. But at the end of the day, it's like yo, you literally was like yo. It's almost it, what it felt like to me was like, hey, we're just gonna we're gonna um put you through a little bit of a of a, of a thing where you're not gonna play basketball for a couple of days just to show that we care, and then you'll be back in the court in no time. Where Kyrie Irving was like, nah, you you losing your Nike deal, you 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 getting suspended for a long time, you you not getting on the court for a while, you need to go through 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 this program where you got to do your research on. Like they made him go through a whole fucking boot camp compared to what John Moran did. Like, come on, man. God forbid John Moran posted waves that gun in the club, and then somebody else sees that that's in the club and decides to do sign a John Moran. It would have been worse, but nobody wants to talk about that. So I just wanted to bring that up. I thought I thought it was it was only right. Um, you know, you guys could agree or disagree with me, whatever. I'm, you know, I'm always open for you know criticism on here, man. And I never, never 
allow people to not, you know, challenge my argument or agree or disagree with my argument. I love y'all, man. Without this, you guys, I wouldn't be here without you guys. So um, if anybody agrees with that, you know, or disagrees with that point and you want to talk about that point, again, you could put it in the comments uh, or you can shoot me on Twitter or Instagram. Y'all know where it's at. Um, and just be like, yo, you, I heard in your episode you spoke about this thing with John Moran and Kyrie Irving. And you compared the two. I disagreed or I didn't like that or whatever. And let me know. You know, I would like to talk about it. Um, but on to the next topic. Jet fans, congratulations on picking up Aaron Rodgers. Well, not officially, but Aaron Rodgers, basically one of the Pac McAvee show and basically said that he is intended on playing for the New York Jets. Wow. That is big. That is very big considering the situation that you guys went through with your quarterbacks last season. You guys went through hell with your quarterback situation. And I and and for the shit that y'all went through with your quarterback, with your quarterbacks, with, you know, Zach Wilson doing you know, letting his defense down and claiming he didn't and not really playing to what he needed to play, like and Mike White kinda looking good, but then going back to trash, uh Joe Flacco really not helping. Aaron Rodgers is a great pickup. You know, Aaron Rodgers is a great pickup. Um, from my understanding, they're still waiting on the trade to be official. I think uh, Green Bay is looking for some comp- compensation. I think they want, like, a first round, but the Jets are not giving it to them, so they're still trying to figure that out. But it's most likely he is going to be a Jet after the trade is officially announced. Um, my, my, thing, my thing is with Jet fans who are complaining that Aaron Rodgers should not have been picked up by the Jets or shouldn't be picked, you know, traded to the Jets. You guys have not had a fucking decent quarterback in years. For everybody to com- be complaining, oh, the Jets should have picked up uh, Lamar Jackson instead of Aaron Rodgers. No, no, we're fine with, with Aaron Rodgers. Stop complaining, bro. Stop. Y'all haven't had a decent quarterback in God knows how fucking long, bro. Like Mark Sanchez was your was the, was the last decent quarterback I think y'all had, bro. And y'all complaining? Like, y'all just got Aaron fucking Rodgers. I know there's a lot of people that don't like Aaron Rodgers because of his attitude, and he's not really that clutch anymore from what I've heard, but he's still a good fucking quarterback. He's still better than the shit that y'all got now. I don't understand it, bro. I really don't. I, I don't get it. That's like me complaining about the fact that we got Lamar Jackson. No, I don't, I, I don't want Lamar Jackson. I want fucking... Um, I want fucking... Uh, 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 Deshaun Watson or something like why why am I complaining I haven't had a fucking decent quarterback since since Eli Manning if 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 if, uh Daniel Jones was going through the same shit that Zach Wilson was going through I'm not gonna complain like I I don't get it dude it's annoying but look for those that are not complaining that Aaron Rodgers is on this team bro congratulations to y'all man I I'm a Giants fan I lo- I like to hate on y'all just because I like to just poke fun at my jo- at my jet friends. But I really have I- I've given everybody I've given y'all credit since last season, bro. With the with the exception of of Zach Wilson who fucking sucked, your team is is great, both on both sides, especially your defense. Your defense is top five in the league right now. So the fact that your offense is is great too, and Aaron Rodgers has help. Oh my man, I cannot wait. For that, I can't. I'm. I'm honestly in gonna be in tune to see what the Jets do. Uh, this this upcoming season, like it's definitely gonna be interesting to see. Um, speaking of of Lamar Jackson, though, you know, I wanted to touch on the situation with him and why so many people feel that he's not getting the respect that uh, he deserves or whatever. 
the situation with with uh Lamar is it's pretty it's pretty embarrassing. Basically, Lamar was hurt. He's still hurt from my understanding. The Ravens didn't play him for the rest, for the rest of the season. Um they got into the playoffs, they got stumped. They didn't play him and basically he wants he wants his money. That money, the most of that money is guaranteed, right? But if we know the NFL, we know how Roger Goodell is, and we know how that all is. I mean, I know Colin Kaepernick was a different subject, but you, you see, you see, it was Roger Goodell basically doing what they did to Kaepernick. That's why he wasn't in the league, even though he canceled his workouts. He wouldn't have, he wouldn't have to, he would have never had to do those workouts if he didn't get fucking, you know, blackballed and canceled. That's a whole different conversation, though. That's that's already done with. Kaepernick already said he's never coming back, so that's already done with. But my my thing with with the Lamar thing is is he's getting blackballed. For the simple fact because no team, right? This isn't just about like the NFL. You know, the NFL, what they play in this in, in this is the fact that they want him to get an actual agent that is part of the NFL. See how like every every most of these players have an actual agent, right? That's not family ties or whatever, that's an actual guy that's coming from the league that is representing them or whatever. They want him to get that type of agent. He doesn't have that type of agent. I think it's his mom and somebody else and his family. He has a family agency that is helping him out. They don't like that. They don't like that. So you have that going on with him. And then the contract, the, the money that, that he wants, he wants, I, I don't know exactly how much he wants, but I know it's guaranteed. No NFL team wants to pay him right now. And it's not official, but it's just common sense, right? Nobody wants to, nobody wants to, um, Nobody wants to 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 pay him right now because they don't want to give him that guaranteed money and not expect him to be healthy. You know, they 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 he, they they believe that he's he's hurt a lot where he he doesn't really deserve that that money, right? Yet this guy has like a top five winning percentage when it comes to when it comes to a quarterback. The man can fucking run has an uh, has a crazy IQ for a fucking quarterback and could throw the damn ball. Could throw it. When I mean throw it, throw it, my man's has a fucking cannon of an arm. He's he's one of the top five quarterbacks in this fucking league. Yet nobody is rushing right now to go pick this guy up. Nobody. It's a sad case, dog. It's it's really it's really a sad it's really a sad case. And again, it's not only it's the league that's doing it, but it's the teams that don't want to take that risk. But half these teams don't have a legit quarterback like fucking Lamar Jackson. Or they could trade for Lamar. Like, at the end of the day, Lamar needs to be with a team. The Ravens are not doing him any fucking justice right now, bro. The Ravens are not. The Ravens are doing him dirty. And and that's the most embarrassing part because they don't really have a legit quarterback. They could really, literally just give this man's money. What the hell do y'all got to lose, man? He has no help. But, I, I listen, at the end of the day, from the Ravens' perspective, they, they, they need a... a a star quarterback to really help this team and get to where they need to get to, and then add pieces around them. They're not doing nothing, bro. They're just throwing. They're low. They. Oh my god, it's so frustrating. Look, he's just he, he's getting blackballed, and I and I don't like it. So hopefully this shit ends. Hopefully next season he gets to fucking play, dude. But it's just a sad case, man. It really, it really is. Now I want to go into the Knicks' uh, second game uh, after the Denver game. It was against the Minnesota Timberwolves. That's that's a tough, uh, tough, tough game uh, that we lost. Um, shout out to Julius Randle 
for dropping 57 points, a career high. I thought he was breaking Melo's 62-point record at MSG. Unfortunately, he didn't. Um, He was gassed, man. Uh, a lot of calls that should have been made that weren't made. And I think, you know, that it plays it plays into a part. I think most of his frustration now, like you're seeing him get more texts, a lot of texts now, and he's getting more frustrated with the calls with the ref now. I think it's because he's tired. But at the same time, you know, as an athlete, you don't want to tell your coach, like, yo, coach, sit me down, I'm fucking tired. You want to keep playing. It's coach's, it's coach's responsibility to tell him, like, yo, like, I love you, Julius, but, you know, just to preserve your energy for maybe one or two nights, you know, we got this thing on lockdown. Hopefully they do by, by a couple games in. Um, you know, we just want to sit you down so that way you're good. Like, you're good for the playoffs when you come in. You'll have an extra day's rest as well, like, you should, you know, just to keep you on a on a good on a good on a good roll. You could tell he was tired. Um, it was just tough because for some reason, yo, defensively the Knicks could not get a damn stop. They couldn't get a stop, and they basically let Torian Prince cook them, bro. Torian, the last five games before that game, bro, Torian Cook had nothing over twenty points, bro, nothing, and he was bad from the field. All of a sudden, Torian Prince comes in here, drops 35 points, and he's 8 for 8 from the three-point line, bro. Like, all of a sudden, he was in the damn three-point contest in the All-Star game, and, and, and that was this was his year shooting from three. It was it was weird. It was it, Everybody called it weird. I didn't expect it. I said it was a must-win game because Carl Anthony Towns wasn't there. Anthony Edwards was out. Um... So for so for that that must that to me should have been a must win game. They couldn't pull it out. Um, Mike Conley also killed us. Uh, you know, although he's not the same Mike Conley he used to be, he can still give teams problems. So that was a tough game, and they dropped it one forty to one thirty four. It's just sad that Julius Randle actually played his fucking mind out and couldn't get a victory. Man, it's very tough. Um, you know, then you fast forward to the loss yesterday against the Heat. Um. That one hurt. That one hurt as well. Because we've beaten the Heat. I know everybody says, well, they were due for a loss against the Heat because the Heat are a good team. Yeah, I, I get it. But the Knicks have shown so many flashes of actually being able to, like, win and stay close in, in games that when they're not, that when they're in a good position to win and they don't pull it out, it's like, damn, bro. Like, you could have won. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, this is a game we could have won. You could have pulled it out. And they didn't. So, I I think um, that that game defensively we couldn't get shit. Uh, Julius Randle didn't have his best game, and you know he was arguing with the ref at one point for certain calls. That I I, I get it. You know a lot of calls aren't being called, and and you you want the ref to take notice. But Brody, this is a very important game that you need to keep your cool. You understand the importance of it. You need to you know calm down. Really really be smart, bro. And you know you can't be getting texts like that. Uh, they just like I said they couldn't get nothing offense. They couldn't get nothing defensively. They basically just let Jimmy Butler do whatever the fuck he wants. Ty- Tyler Hero cooked, especially in the third quarter. Tyler Hero was just going off from three and just finding his fucking mo- uh, momentum. And um, they let fucking Struess, who's not really a good three point shooter, cook from three. That team, the the, the Miami Heat, from if if I'm not mistaken, I think Mike. Uh, Mike Breen has said it. They're like dead last in the NBA when it comes to field goals, and they're they're low, uh, they're low ranked when it comes to three point uh, three point shots. 
and yet they cooked us uh, with a lot of three-point uh, shots. So it, it was very weird. Uh, tough loss, like I said, because we're you know standing-wise. I mean, uh, yesterday the Cavs played the Nets, uh, and the Cavs beat them, uh, and that was very important for us because I'd rather the Cavs win. Gives us a better chance to at least, if we can't catch up to them in the fourth seed, at least lock up the fifth seed and have Brooklyn lose. Tonight, they play again. So not only am I going to be in tune with tonight's game in Orlando, which the Knicks need to fucking win. This, this, this you can't lose this game tonight. You cannot. You cannot lose this game tonight. You need to fucking beat the Orlando Magic. So they, they, they need to beat the Orlando Magic. Um, and basically, from how I'm looking at it, the, the Cavs need to beat uh, the Nets again. So I'm gonna be tuned into those two games. Um, so yeah, it's, it's three game losing streak. It's not easy, and you know, at the most important time, should not be happening uh, with playoffs coming up. So it's gonna be very interesting to see what happens in the next couple games. Uh, yeah, listen, it, it, it is what it is. Um, my last thing that I want to talk that my last thing that I want to talk about uh, is uh, Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, shout out to Carl Anthony Towns, bro, because Carl Anthony Towns uh, came back yesterday, uh, played a, played against the Hawks. Uh, really had a really had a really good game. I mean, he's been out for I believe four months. His last game was in November 28, um, and he suffered a strained calf, a great, uh, I, I believe it was a uh, grade. Let me see, let me see, a grade three strained calf, and it was. N- he was he he was out he was out for a really long time, uh, but he came back, and you know he you could t- he looked happy. I mean he looked he looked happy to be back. Obviously, he he looked joyful uh, to just be back on the floor again, and that that's what you want. I think the Timberwolves are a much better team with him and, and on the floor now that they know where they're at. Uh, Car Anthony Towns had uh, twenty two points, four rebounds, uh, three three assists, and. Um, you know, that's that's you just want to see the product the production from him now that he's back. I think he's very important key now. You know, with Anthony Edwards being out, uh, from my mistake, I I think uh, that he's out indefinitely. Indefinitely. So I think with him being back, it's just like it's, it's like a sigh of relief. Um, but you know, I'm happy to see him back. A lot of you guys don't know. I've I've been very high on this kid since he was drafted in 2015, coming out of Kentucky. Uh, not because he's Dominican. Well, that too, but. I think when he was drafted number one, I think a lot of people were giving him slack because uh, I think uh, Okafor, uh, Jahil Okafor, um, should have been drafted number one, everybody was saying. Uh, he got drafted, I forgot what number, but he got drafted by the 76ers. Um, so I've been very high on the kid. I know it's been a lot of people have their mixed emotions about him, but I think he, he's, he's a really good help if he can stay healthy. Uh, so, you know, congrats to Carl Anthony Towns for being back, man. It's, it's dope to see. And um, hopefully, you know, the Timberwolves could turn it around because they're in the playoff situation, right? They're in the playing situation right now. And, you know, that Timberwolves team, you know, they, they, they could they could, they could probably, uh, you know, be that one team where they could be like an underdog team where nobody saw coming. <laughs> you just never you never know. Uh, you know, the last thing that I want to talk about before I end it here, because uh, we kind of been going on, um, is addressing Buck Showalter's comments about uh, Francisco Alvarez and what it could mean for the Mets as far as where Alvarez is at, uh, if he's going to be in AAA the entire season, um, and, you know, the, how the catcher position is going to look. Basically, 
what Buck said was, you know, I'm that he's expecting Alvarez to be in the in in AAA for most of the time. Uh, that he would hope that Alvarez, you know, gets keeps growing and getting better uh, over there, and you know that he has an opportunity to come up in September. Uh, whenever or he has an opportunity to come up uh, whenever he he needs to be, um, whenever he needs to be called up, and you know I know people look at that like you know wouldn't it be better for him to be called up now? My thing is whether he's called up now or whether he's called up in September or mid or or mid July or whatever. The more that this kid gets, you know, to be better. The better, the better it is. You call him up, so I'm not really upset about that. I'm, I kind of expected it. I just think you know, you, use use the opportunity wisely. Use that opportunity wisely. Uh, be smart about it. And at the end of the day, you know, Buck Buck knows what he's doing. I, I don't. I don't think Buck when he said that comment was like, "Hey, listen, I don't think this kid is ready." I think he understands that this kid, this kid could be ready. Uh. But let's give him more time to just, you know, develop a little bit before we officially bring him up where we don't have to send him down, you know, for him to be our official catcher. I think, you know, this is also a time for Nito to grow. You know, Nito's never really been a big hitter catcher, but now that he's seen that he's hitting better, uh, this is his time to show that, yo, I could be our primary catcher and I could be a fucking stud on this team. And, you know, Navarro's too. Navarro's, when he has his moments, he'll, he has his moments. But he could he could have that veteran presence to not only Nito, but uh, Alvarez when he gets called up. So I don't think it was I don't think it was bad for Buck to say that. And I think it was smart for the Mets to really handle it out. You know, unlike Beatty, where Beatty is ready. Like, Beatty's ready, you know. I think Beatty's, Brett Beatty is going to be on the on the official, uh, you know, roster. I don't think he's going to get called down. Um, I think he's going to be playing third base most of the time. Ed- Eduardo Escobar is going to be benched, in my opinion, for mo- for most of the time. They'll like swap. If Eduardo Escobar has to play third, then you have Brett Beatty playing left field. You know what I'm saying? Or we saw Eduardo Escobar playing left in the WBC. Who knows? Maybe, Mar- you know, he's playing left in in when it comes to this season with the Mets. I just, when it comes to the left field, though, I don't see Marcana uh, playing left every day. And that's why I'm I'm putting left field as an option for both those guys because I don't see Marcana being an option every day. But you know that's neither here or there. Uh, we're one week away from opening day, which I can't fucking wait. So we'll see how that turns out. Um, but with that being said, I appreciate everybody listening and tuning in, man. I know it's a lengthy podcast, um, but hopefully the conversation was well enough for you guys to stay tuned in and and stay listening, man. But I appreciate everybody. Um, you know if you haven't followed me. Uh, follow me at at Top Bunk Sports on on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, and TikTok. Uh, I'm getting better at being more active on those other ones, not just on Twitter. So you know, bear with me if you don't see a couple posts. I'm just trying to get better at this, man. It's just a one man show at the end of the day. I really got no help. Uh, so I'm really trying to do everything as as fast as I can. But I appreciate everybody. Um, but until until then, I'll see you on the on oh and this too uh i got two spaces that are going to be playing after the takes um after after all this is done uh it's under one space i just cut it the first part is my take on the denver nuggets game i thought it was a really good take i I wanted to post it here and then the next the next take is basically on the same space um just me 
kind of giving RJ credit and kind of, you know, shutting down the negative Nancy rumors about RJ Barrett and actually giving him his props when he's actually having a good game. So, uh, you know, you have that. I thought they were, I thought they were really good, worthy enough to record them and put them on here. So you'll hear that, um, either, you know, after the thing is done or mid, uh, mid fucking conversation after I talk about the Denver game when I start off the show. So I, but I appreciate y'all. Um, (laughs) uh, pre, like I said, uh, Appreciate the support and just hope, you know, follow me on those accounts, like I said, and I'll see you guys on the next episode, man. Peace. I guess we just started off bunk, eh? Kick us off, bro. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, everybody? What is up? I hope everybody's doing well. Like I always say, man, first and foremost, let's go fucking Knicks. Huge fucking win tonight, man. Huge win. I know a lot of people were giving us doubts based off what Denver is, you know, First place in the West. Everybody's healthy since the last time we played them. Uh, and we, you know, it, it, it was a fight. It was a fight, man. Um, we started out great in the first in the first uh, first quarter. Uh, second quarter was was disgusting. Um, that, that that's facts. Uh, second quarter was disgusting. And then in the second half, man, they were they just they picked it up uh, right away. A uh, huge huge rebounds defensively. And you know they really found found their groove. I think Josh Hart is one of the reasons why that third why that second half uh, played out the way it did. Uh, the kid always comes in, and you see he makes a difference on both sides of the ball. Man, that's that that's what it is. That's why so many Knicks fans love him because he's not he's not always putting up twenty points. He's not always putting up uh, big stats. It's always exactly what he does on the court to make his team better. Um, a little bit of the of, of the box score, Jalen Brunson in his first uh first game back, exceptional. Uh you start you saw how far he was in the first quarter. Uh kinda was cold in the second quarter, but again, once he was back in in that he was distributing the ball, uh when he wasn't scoring, he was passing the ball, trying to find guys open. Uh twenty four points, five assists, uh two rebounds, nine from twenty. Again, exceptional game, uh, especially because like Tony said, I, th- those three days off and then a couple of games that he missed before those three games, uh, it seemed to pay off well. Um, R.J. Barrett, 21 points, two assists, four rebounds, eight from 13. Uh, second game that he's been a- exceptional. Um, I, you know, for people that won't really speak about R.J. Barrett that much, I'm I'm gonna do the liberty of kind of giving him uh the 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 player of the game in my opinion. I know Jalen Brunson went off today, and you know Josh Hart did his thing, but for so much stuff that we talk about R.J. Barrett and him struggling and him not being able to, you know, fill the spots that he needs to fill in for his team, uh, he he was playing really well today. A couple threes that, you know, he should not settled on, and he missed a couple of them. It wasn't his night from three, but he was being he was being aggressive. He was being aggressive, and that's, that's what I always say. When R.J. Barrett is aggressive and he's not always settling for three points, for three-pointers, uh, he's a different R.J. Barrett. He's a better R.J. Barrett. Uh, so you saw that tonight, and he made he was taking it to the rim. You talk about you talk about Jokic being a force, um, and with Aaron Gordon being in there, man's didn't care. He went in there and and literally was just being aggressive the whole fucking game. Uh, Julius Randle defensively was off, uh, from three he was off, but again he made a couple clutch uh baskets uh that really turned it around, especially in the second half. Uh, just him being aggressive and not really settling for threes. Uh, and Mitchell Robinson, man, Mitchell Robinson again. You see, even though he's not putting up you know he eight points but those rebounds that he's grabbing man it's it's they're they're huge they're huge i mean 
you saw the little outburst that he had on Snapchat talking about that he's not involved, you know, that he wants to be more involved and stuff like that. And I get it. We've seen in we've seen him in 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 practice videos where he can do more, where he could, you know, shoot a jump shot or whatever. But you know, there, there's a role in him for there's a role in for him where you see it's effective. You know, when he, even though he's not shooting the ball, when he grabs those defensive or offensive rebounds, it does a lot for us. And when he grabs, when he does a put puts a put back, you know, he can't be stopped in that paint. Um, so, again, huge fucking win tonight uh, for a team that, you know, whether you want to call it was a 50 50 game uh, because of what the Nuggets are. But like uh, uh, Edge said and uh, Tony said, you know, you could get anything off of this Nuggets team. We get any bucket that you want. Uh, so it's, a, like I said, a huge, a huge win. Everybody's back healthy. Um, and we just got to go into this Timberwolves game knowing that it's a must win considering the fact that Anthony Edwards is out. Um, th- uh, three game uh, winning streak. And again, um, it's, it's looking, it's looking bright. It's looking good for us uh, with these next couple of games before we get into the playoffs. So, you know, regardless of what we have with this team, the ups, you know, the, the, the good parts and the bad parts, let's fucking enjoy it. We know what ride we're on and it's a big fucking win. Like I said, so let's go next once again. And I appreciate you. Nah. Yeah. I just, I, I, I'm well, first and foremost, I'm, I'm going to retweet this space cause I, I, I love y'all and, and, uh, uh, appreciate it always i'm just having issues with uh my phone but i i I wanted to just come in and kind of piggy bank what cousins was saying i see it on my timeline every day uh most of most throughout the game um with the three three pointers that rj barrett took a lot of you nick fans and i'm not i'm not calling anybody here but a lot of nick fans man they emphasize that and they make it seem like that's rj barrett the entire game this kid has gone through a lot of a lot of ups and downs with this team this year. A lot of negativity from the fans, and most of it is 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 is, is deserved because again, we know what RJ can do. We've seen this kid grow up from from college, and we understand that he's worth the third that third pick that we got him in 2019. We know we know what this kid can do, but. Let's also understand that you see it in his face when he takes accountability. Now, I may be wrong on that. I don't know what you guys see. But every time RJ's struggling and, and he can't get something going, you see it in his face that he understands that he can that he can do better. He, I, In my opinion, I feel like he takes accountability. But for people that are emphasizing him missing from, from three and just want to keep pulling that out instead of understanding that this kid actually was – like cousin said, once he once he realized he wasn't going from three, he he was he was being a bully in the paint. He was actually going ahead, taking it to the rack, and actually trying to find ways to score and help the team. And that's what needs to be emphasized more. The guy only took three three pointers the entire game. If RG Barrett was like one for ten, one for nine is a different story because you could talk about him settling for threes the entire game. That's not what he did tonight. I need I need people to understand. And again, I understand it's people's opinions. People want to have takes if they want to have a take on RG Barrett, but. Just like we criticize Jalen Brunson sometimes when Jalen Brunson has a certain game that's not going well, or just like we criticize Julius Randle when he's not having it, like tonight there were some boneheaded plays that he, or passes that he made that weren't that we were looking at the TV like, yo, come on, Randle, you could do better than that. We do it to RJ, but let's also give the man credit when it needs to be given credit. All right, RJ Barrett, like I said, had 21 points, and most of those 21 points were him actually being aggressive. I've said it in multiple times, and Smooth, Tony, Cousins, and everybody in here that have heard my takes before, have I not said before that when R.J. Barrett is aggressive, 
and not always settling for threes, you he he gets the better of himself. He plays better. And you saw that tonight against a team that in all naturality could have could have honestly locked down the paint tonight with Aaron Gordon and, and Jokic in the paint. And they didn't. He took advantage of that. For example, I think it was Cousins that said, yo, when he goes left and he was daring them to go left, they couldn't stop him. And he and he was being smart with that. I think I think it was I think it was uh Ebony or, or, or Cousins that said that. Excuse uh, you know, my, my apologies for whoever I got that wrong with, but for, for that's a great point. We we I, I I need I need to stop and again I'm not calling nobody out here I'm just saying like Knicks Twitter in general that I see on my timeline because I follow a lot of Knicks accounts stop trying to fucking bash this kid in about one about one part of his game when he doesn't have one part of his game going he switches to the other that's what you saw tonight and that was effective so you know I know a, a lot a lot of criticism goes on on RG Barrett and I get it. Cause I, I love this kid as much as we want to joke about him being traded and and him you know you know uh, trying to get his contract out, out because he's not the RG Barrett that that we think he is. This this kid this kid honestly, if he gets it going, could be a key piece in the playoffs. And 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 I would love to see that. Uh, Smooth has stood by it that if RG Barrett gets it going and RG Barrett is the RG Barrett that we know he can be, he could be a key piece going into the playoffs. I, I just need everybody to understand that because I'm looking at my timeline right now and it's like, yo, my man really did not do bad tonight. He didn't do bad. He only shot three three-pointers and they didn't go in. And for the rest of the game, he was being aggressive and he was getting his buckets inside the paint. Normally, RJ, when he's and I've seen it a lot, when RJ's not consistent from three, he keeps trying to shoot from three because he wants to get that one bucket in and then he wants to keep shooting consistent when he knows he doesn't have it. He doesn't do what he did tonight. Tonight is actually the first game that I've actually, and he's done it before, but literally this season, tonight's been the legit first game that I've seen R.J. Barrett say, you know what, I'm going to actually stop shooting from three. I already shot three three three-pointers. They're not going in. Let me see what I can do in the mid-range. Let me see what I can do in the paint. And it's worked out for him. So if he keeps this consistently, I can't really see the criticism going for uh, uh, going hard for R.J. Barrett because he, he can do it consistently. He just has to keep it consistent. But I, 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 tonight's a game for RG Barrett to be, to be, to be. I'll say celebrated because he, he really switched it up tonight. 